0: Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm Eric Sperling. We have a remarkable guest with us today. And before I introduce her, just a note that today's episode is being brought to you by NYU Wagner. Are you ready to make your impact? At NYU Wagner, you'll learn to tackle today's most complex healthcare challenges. Take action with our online Master of Health Administration. Learn more at onlinemha.wagner.nyu.edu. And now to our guest, Dr. Nicole M. Cooper, currently serves as a Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs at United Health Group. She formerly served as Head of Healthcare Policy at Lyft where she developed and managed Lyft's healthcare policy agenda and worked to expand their presence in the healthcare sector. Prior to Lyft, Nicole served as Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility at United Healthcare, and before that was an Obama administration appointee, part of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services team responsible for the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. In 2019, Nicole received the Modern Healthcare Top 25 Emerging Leaders Under 40 Award And in 2020, she received the National Minority Quality Forum's 40 Under 40 Leaders in Health Award. Nicole has her bachelor's degree from Spelman College, a master of public health degree in health management and policy from the University of Michigan, and a doctor of public health degree in health policy from Harvard University. With that introduction, Nicole, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I'm excited about this conversation today.
0: All right, let's dive right in. Uh, today's first topic, it's a vital one. COVID 19 has uh, shined a bright light on the significant health inequities in our society. We've talked about it before on this podcast, uh, and you have a unique view at United Health Group with both payor and delivery sectors under your umbrella. Uh, so, what are some of the lessons we have learned? from the pandemic uh, and how can we create more equitable care? I know that's a a big question there, but uh, help help us define and answer some of that.
1: That is a big question and it's a great question to kick off our conversation really, Eric. So given my background and what I've seen in healthcare and public health, I'd like to start the conversation on this topic by stepping back a bit and framing the conversation for the audience, as there are so many powerful dialogues around health equity, COVID-19, and racism in healthcare, for example, happening currently. So if we start out with the CDC's federal definition of health equity, which basically refers to a state where everyone, literally everyone in a given society, has a fair and just opportunity to achieve their full health potential, and no one is disadvantaged from achieving this potential because of social position or other socially determined circumstances. So if we look at it in that way, it's very clear that we are far from that, uh, which the CDC has outlined as a desired state for for the US uh, and how healthcare and well care really is delivered and structured in the US today, unfortunately. And I'm certain that healthcare and hospital leaders alike, your audience in particular, has been increasingly confronted with, uh, throughout the COVID pandemic with the reality that to truly understand how to structure more equitable care as a collective, we must recognize that structural and other barriers have disproportionately prevented certain populations from achieving their full health potential and have created the healthcare disparities crises, really, that we've long been experiencing in the U.S. And furthermore, it can't be overstated that historical and present day racism in particular has led us to the significant health and social inequities that we see, most acutely for Black, Brown, and Indigenous populations. And those inequities also persist among other races and demographic populations that have long experienced greater obstacles to achieving their full health potential based on issues like gender identity, sexual orientation, disability status, where their geography, where they live, for example, whether it be in underserved rural, urban, rural or urban communities, among other challenges. So all of these factors have come into play and created a unique tipping point in the U.S. healthcare system and in U.S. hospitals across the country since the COVID-19 pandemic began. And what the data uh, show us on which vulnerable patient populations the COVID pandemic has most profoundly affected. So as of uh, September 2021, sadly, the CDC released data showing that still nationally, American Indian and Alaska Native populations are three and a half times more likely to be hospitalized from COVID-19 compared to white patients. And also, sadly, that black patients and Latino patients alike are 2.8 times more likely to be hospitalized from the COVID-19 pandemic compared to white patients with their COVID death rates getting as high as two and a half times that of the death rates of white patients. And the CDC, as I really uh, further frame where we're thinking of, how we're thinking about this nationally, the CDC rightly so has acknowledged that race and ethnicity are really the risk markers for other underlying conditions that affect health, including socioeconomic status, access to healthcare, and exposure to the virus, related to higher risks and lower wage occupations, and essential and critical infrastructure jobs that many people of color are relegated to in the U.S. So I had to give that, that, that background and framing, if you will, and talking about the conversation and opening it up.
0: No, it's perfectly set up for, for something now we're talking about, which is achieving the quadruple aim. And that means improving the experience for both patients and providers, lowering the cost of care and improving patient outcomes. So what role does health equity play in reaching those goals?
1: Yes, at the highest levels, truly achieving the quadruple aim and embedding health equity throughout requires that paying that we pay deliberate attention to a few important domains for both payers and healthcare providers alike. We have to shift how we think about provider networks, our clinical and quality incentives, our data infrastructure, and most importantly, our patient and member engagement strategies and other areas as well. And I'd also add that applying an equity lens to how healthcare is structured, delivered, and paid for can help us to better realize these aims as it requires us to bring a different level of intentionality to the work that we do, who we do it with, and where we do it, which can yield better health and cost outcomes for the most vulnerable patients in the systems across the country.
0: Let's take a moment to talk about um, access to care. Uh, access to care, huge challenge for many people across the country. Um, mm-hmm. So, what is United Health Group uh, working on to identify gaps in that care? And I guess, what are the best practices that can be shared with the provider side to help improve access and, and close those gaps?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, as an enterprise, we know that at United Health Group, we touch the lives of one in five Americans. And we also know from the well cited research that 80% of a person's health is really determined outside of a doctor's office. So at UnitedHealth Group, we are increasingly strengthening our innovative capabilities, our already significant reach, our strong community-based partnerships, and our philanthropic giving as well, as we embrace that it is really our inherent responsibility to change the game entirely for millions of Americans to transform the landscape of healthcare as we know it. And I'd also say that healthcare providers of all kinds, on the other hand, have the opportunity to make similar commitments around closing gaps in care. And quite honestly, that many healthcare providers have an opportunity to learn from the example that's already been set by safety net providers across the country in particular, and how they have approached, long approached, improving access to care out of necessity, really, based on the racially and ethnically diverse patient populations that these types of safety net providers often have to serve.
0: Repeating a positive and, you know, seeing what others are doing out there and repeating that. Absolutely.
1: Yes, and by taking a more comprehensive approach to eliminating health disparities, I do believe that we can ensure every person is empowered to attain their full health potential, but it will take meeting people where they are, and this is hard, but it has to be said, no longer accepting that it's too difficult or too costly to provide culturally competent and high-quality health care in local communities for the populations that have historically been characterized as hard to reach. And we must also commit to addressing more complex social needs by removing obstacles to good health, such as poverty, discrimination, There are many consequences, including powerlessness that's felt by many patient populations and, and quite honestly, just being shut out from other basic needs like lack of access to good jobs with fair pay, lack of access to quality education, and lack of access to safe and affordable housing. Um, these are all the things that we all want and that we all recognize contribute to To thriving and healthy communities and
0: families. Yeah, That's where we started the conversation, Nicole, awareness of these challenges. You have to begin with that. Um, Quick reminder for our listeners, uh, today's episode is being brought to you by NYU Wagner. Are you ready to make your impact at NYU Wagner? You'll learn to tackle today's most complex healthcare challenges. Take action with our online Master of Health Administration. Learn more at onlinemha.wagner.nyu.edu. Uh, Nicole, we got some great news earlier this year. Congress has formed a bipartisan Social Determinants of Health Caucus. Uh, So this issue is getting attention at the highest levels of the public sector as well. Um, As more work continues to address the social determinants of health and make an impact on vulnerable communities, what are the biggest opportunities, would you say, uh, that lie ahead of us?
1: Yes, so I'm personally encouraged by the recent actions that were taken by Congress to address various social determinants of health more fully. And I'm really excited about um, the congressional action and what this represents as a, a national call to action for the healthcare industry and for various other industries to work together to remove barriers to achieving optimal health. So at Health Group, we continue to provide support for various social determinants of health through our health benefits on one arm uh, and through our care delivery capabilities, whether it's through United Healthcare, with our Medicare Advantage and Medicaid managed care health plans in various states, or through our various population health partnerships and programs that are led by various teams at Optum. And looking at the industry as a whole, though, to support additional health plan and provider innovations and investments in social determinants of health programs that can address these critical issues, we recommend that policymakers consider three actions in particular, I'd say, in the future. The first is around supporting social determinants of health data collection and data sharing efforts as accurate data on the number of Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries, for example, that actually have these social services needs uh, will be really useful in designing and targeting programs in high need areas across the, the country. And we know that the availability of effective information technology infrastructure and data sharing platforms is foundational to conducting Uh, and to helping patients to to services and to ultimately improve health outcomes. The second opportunity is to create greater health plan flexibility to innovate more social determinants of health programs. Um, As we know that modernizing benefit design and increasing flexibility and blending medical and social services funds, which is critical, can reduce barriers to integrated care and it can also close gaps in care and reduce administrative burdens, which providers and payers are very sensitive to. And the third recommendation we believe that Congress should ensure that there's adequate and sustained funding in Medicare Advantage and Medicaid managed care payments to protect and grow the social services programs that millions of beneficiaries rely on, including, for example, access to critical transportation programs in Medicare and Medicaid that I previously helped to lead at Lyft Healthcare. And I also must mention a standout social determinants of health program that United Health Group has long supported, even in the absence of the policies I just mentioned. So the connection between housing and health is is pretty undeniable at this point in and out of healthcare. And the COVID pandemic has increasingly brought this further to the forefront as an urgent need throughout the communities we serve, that people are homeless uh, and lack adequate access to housing. So since 2011, United Health Group has actually invested nearly $550 million in 83 different affordable housing communities across the country. And with this funding, we've built over 5,500 new homes for seniors, veterans, uh, individuals with disabilities, those struggling with homelessness at large. And we've also provided more than $27 million in below market rate loans to expand the, the supply of affordable housing. And in 2020, as the pandemic continued to hit low-income communities over and over again, we continued our longstanding investment as a company in affordable housing by committing actually an additional $100 million to develop more than 1,000 new homes for seniors and families. And all of these UHG-backed housing units actually include much-needed connections to health and wellness services and supports for the residents in the housing units.
0: Wow, Nicole, great to hear about all those efforts and the impact. Uh, let's shift focus a little bit here uh, to the healthcare workforce, as we know, such a key component in delivering equitable care for all. So, how are you supporting uh, the healthcare workforce of the future?
1: Great question, a uh, topic that I love to talk about. And that is really that increasing the diversity of the healthcare workforce is absolutely essential for the adequate provision of culturally competent care to our nation's most vulnerable communities, including people that have diverse backgrounds, populations that uh, we know um, continue to increase as the demographics of the the country change. So simply said, the better a patient is understood by a provider, the better they are treated. So diversifying the workforce is essential. And I also have to add that as a Black woman working in healthcare, I myself have participated in several programs and initiatives when I studied at the undergrad level, graduate, and doctoral levels. Um, and that I that and I in participating in these programs, which were all focused on increasing the pipeline of racially diverse public health and healthcare leaders, um, I know personally of the need to keep scaling and building these programs until we solve the issue, until there are more providers of color, more providers with various backgrounds working in various primary care settings and our behavioral health system, uh, serving seniors and really all realms of healthcare delivery. So at United Health Group, we continue to prioritize building a racially and ethnically diverse health workforce that is reflective of the communities that we serve. And we work alongside many other partners in doing that. So in seeking to develop and directly support the next generation of US healthcare workers, one example of our efforts, efforts is the United Health Foundation's Diverse Scholars Initiative which is working to cultivate a diverse healthcare workforce that reflects society by increasing the number of primary healthcare providers equipped to deliver more personalized and culturally competent care, which is essential. And uh, since 2007, We've actually provided more than $23 million to fund nearly 3,000 different scholarships for students of color that are pursuing careers in primary care, as primary care uh, health professions. And particularly, um, these providers are in underserved communities. We're very proud of this work. And we're also training underrepresented students in healthcare technology fields. And one of the biggest factors for success in addressing this issue, this big issue, And so many others is building authentic ground level community based partnerships, these type of partnerships are essential in addressing health equity they've been particularly essential to our efforts to address persistent gaps with the workforce uh, that we need for the future and beyond.
0: Uh, Nicole, thank you so much. You've been a tremendous guest with us. Uh, we always have kind of one last question here. Um, you know, we know you're a fan of ACHE. You've been to our Congress on healthcare leadership several times, uh, and we're a moderator this year. So you know that we have leaders from across the country, uh, working in many different settings, many different points in their career journeys. Uh, so listening right now, um, for those, you know, wanting to make an impact, what are the leadership skills that the field needs the most to keep making progress on health equity?
1: Thank you for the question, Eric. And yes, I am a fan of ACEG. I actually joined as a member when I was an undergrad student with thinking about how I wanted to eventually one day become a healthcare leader. Um, and I appreciated the professional development that I received from the organization attending Congress long ago. So to answer your question, I recommend that your listeners continue to fully lean into the moment that we're in right now and ensure that it goes beyond just being a moment and to truly ensure that it becomes a transformative movement. So to be more specific, I recommend that your healthcare leaders alike uh, across the country who listen to your podcast uh, continue stepping up to ensure that our respective spheres of healthcare delivery are truly fighting to advance health equity for communities that need it most. These issues are not letting up. The COVID pandemic is continuing, and yet I'm seeing less conversation and less action and less commitment towards addressing these issues from what we saw just a year ago uh, in the spring and summer of 2020, and that's concerning. So I I challenge us all to do the hard work to set and measure, which is harder than declaring such such goals, but to really set and measure clear and intentional goals for addressing various health inequities and to examine and acknowledge the contributions of various healthcare institutions in perpetuating past and current inequities. Is there a significant distrust among certain populations and these inequities can be deeply embedded? in large and complex healthcare systems. I hope we all know that today. So it's important that as trusted healthcare leaders that we all examine and acknowledge the current and past wrongs of our institutions and that we work to ensure that healthcare delivery is indeed eventually made equitable. So that would be my recommendation in thinking about the leaders that we need for the future to better improve our system.
0: Uh, thank you for the recommendation and the challenge. And thank you so much for taking the time to uh, lend your insights to such a, uh, a critical issue. Um, as we do close, want to thank everyone again. I um, want to thank NYU Wagner for their support of today's episode. Are you ready to make an impact? At NYU Wagner, you'll learn to tackle today's most complex healthcare challenges. Take action with our online Master of Health Administration. Learn more at online, M-H-A dot Wagner dot nyu. Uh, again, thanks to our guest today, Dr. Nicole Cooper, Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs at United Health Group. Thank you, Nicole.
1: Thank you, Eric.
0: And finally, thanks to all our listeners. We will see you again next time right here on ACHE's Healthcare Executive Podcast. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org.